this, please. I'd like to read uh, Isaiah 9, 1 through 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. And then the chorus we just sang. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life that I would be set free. Jesus, we sing for all that you've done for us. Lord, we come before you. And Lord, we are very much reminded that um, uh, of the, the beautiful snow that lays outside today it's clean and pure and bright and and, and uh, just brings joy to our hearts father that um, the scripture reminds us lord that um, this is how we look in your eyes clean and pure because of what christ has done for us lord we indeed we were in deep darkness we were each one of us was lost and destined for hell. And Lord, your tremendous love for us, the love that was begotten before the world's even began, Lord, that you loved us enough to send yourself through your son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for us. Lord, that he came into our darkness, and Lord, that he took on our sin upon himself and paid for the consequences of that on, on the cross. Lord, we are indeed indebted Lord, we rejoice in this time of Christmas when you came and uh, as a baby, though rejected the first time, Lord, that uh, you're going to come a second time in glory and righteousness and, and Lord, to bring all things to an end and bring new things to a beginning. And Father, we look forward to that day when you return to take us home. Lord, uh, during that time, may we be alert, may we be about the business of spreading the good news of, of Christ uh, through, um, through uh, not only what we say, but just our actions, Father, that we would, uh, we would act in a way that um, brings glory to your name and brings uh, praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray this day. Amen. Invite Dave Shockler to come up and read for us. This is the word of God. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, 
she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Thank you. Let's continue our worship this morning in song and hymns and psalms and songs of praise. Well, we just want to say thank you for showing up. You might see that I'm a little bit, uh, a little less for dress today. So as we were coming off the hill, I thought, you know, I'm wearing my boots and my bringing my shovel because I didn't know if we were going to make it off the hill. So, uh, but we're here and we just want to say thank you for, for joining us. And, uh, uh, you know, for me, this, this whole Christmas season is just amazing because of all the, the carols that we get to sing and, and uh, just as we reflect through the, the word, uh, Old and New Testament alike, and, and through the music, just all the things that point to God, all the things that point to Jesus Christ, and how blessed we are, how amazingly blessed we are to experience that, to see it, uh, to sing of it, to praise God. Uh, and to just to open open up our hearts to him. Um, you're probably wondering about the passage that I had read today. It wasn't what was in the plans. Um, but as I thought about the last part of the, 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 the last verse that we just sang, come behold the wondrous mystery. Um, and it spoke about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I just really wanted to speak about that today as we as we wrap up this whole Christmas series, really focusing in on this particular song and and just the, some of the highlights from that song. And I, I just have a question for you to consider uh, this morning in, in light of that, the last portion of that song. And here's my question. Uh, the song is, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. So my question is, what will you do with the resurrected power of Christ that is in you? Did you catch that? Not just the resurrected power of Christ, but the resurrected power of Christ in you. Let me just give you some thoughts to think about. What will you do when you have been betrayed by someone and thoughts of vengeance enter your head? Are you able to think about what you should say or what you should do instead of what you feel like saying or what you feel like doing? What will you do with Christ's resurrection power in you when you are struggling in your marriage and 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 it doesn't seem possible for you to love one another as God has designed for you to love. What will you do with Christ's resurrection power in you when you are filled with, filled with desires to fulfill your own wants, your own desires, your own wishes at the cost of those who are closest to you? What will you do? What will you say with Christ's resurrection power in you when you lay in your bed at night all alone, wondering how you will face the next day. What will you do? 
What will you do with the hope of resurrection? I think it's a, it's a great way to end this series that we've been on. Maybe I should ask the question in another way and ask this. What is it that God wants to do with Christ's resurrection in you? What is it that God wants to do with his son's resurrection in you? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to to John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and you can open up uh, to that. And I'll be referring to it back and forth. But in this in this passage, and it's a passage that's very familiar with uh, with us. It's the story of Lazarus who has died. He was sick and he has died. And uh, and as the, the passage that Dave read for for us today um, on on uh, on the arrival as Christ shows up on the scene, Lazarus has already been dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. And and the other thing that we understand is Bethany is just two miles away from Jerusalem, and so many of the Jewish people have come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And so here's the scene. Jesus shows up. Lazarus has already been dead for four days. He's been in the tomb for four days. And and so one of the things that, that we find here is that Martha, one of the sisters of Lazarus, hears that Jesus has arrived, and she goes out to meet him. She goes out to meet him, and and here's what she says to him in verse 4. She says, or right in that context, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's quite a greeting, don't you think? Thanks a lot, Lord. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Some amazing words are being said here. And she said to him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Just an amazing dialogue. So now you know the story. God raised Lazarus from the dead, the man who had been dead for four days, actually exits the tomb to demonstrate as a demonstration of the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know this. We've heard this story. But we don't really understand this encounter that was read this morning between Martha and Jesus unless we see some things that are recorded earlier. And one of the things that we see here is that uh, the report uh, comes that Lazarus is very ill, and there are three responses that Jesus gives that almost seem like the exact opposite of the way that you would respond if you heard that a loved one that you knew was very sick. So here's the first response. It's, it's found in verse 4 of John chapter 11, and, uh, and it goes like this. But when Jesus heard the report of his illness, he said, this illness does not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. It's almost like, the kind of thing that you would not that you would tell a person never to say because you really don't know okay don't worry uh, everything's going to be okay 
this probably isn't a very very serious uh, as, as serious as you're making it out to be. Or don't think about uh, don't think that this actually is going to lead to death. Just some things that we would think about here. But Jesus said this illness does not lead to death. All right. I've been to the hospital a few times, and I've been with some people that have been knocking at death's door. This is not something I've ever said to anybody. This illness does not lead to death. But you'll catch it as we move along here. The second response that Jesus gives in verse 5 is, is very interesting. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, that's kind of an interesting statement. Someone's really sick. Jesus stays longer away. He stays away longer uh, in, in this case. Imagine that you get this phone call, and your friend is Lazarus. He's gravely ill, and you say, uh, you would normally say, I'm on my way, right? You say, I'm on my way. I'm coming right now. You would get off work. You would do whatever it would take, um, but you wouldn't say, I love you and Mary and Lazarus so much that I'm not coming. You just wouldn't say those words, I'm not coming. Okay? If you got the phone call, you would say, um, uh, uh, you, you, you just wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm just not coming. I love you, but I'm not coming. It, that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense at all. So we have the first response. This illness does not lead to death. I love you, but I'm not coming. And then the third response in verse 14 Jesus had been talking to his disciples about Lazarus, and they asked if he had fallen asleep. And he said, if he had fallen asleep, he would recover. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. All right, now that's some incredible statements. Now, if you... Uh, uh, if if you get the report that someone uh, of someone's death, you would say, "Oh, I wish that I had been there. I wish that I had been there uh, by his side or by her side or with them." So why did Jesus make these responses? Why did Jesus say, "Lazarus has died, and I'm glad that I wasn't there"? So there's this these re, these responses: the illness that does need does not lead to death. I love you so much, I'm not coming. Lazarus has died. And, I'm, and I am glad that I was not there, you would have to conclude one thing. Okay? And here it is. Jesus is either incredibly insensitive or there's something going on in this moment that you and I need to understand, that you and I need to look at a little deeper. We would just have to think about it that way. All right? So look back at verse 4 because I didn't finish that part of the sentence that goes along with this. So when Jesus said that this illness does not lead to death. It goes on from there and it says, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now you have to ask the question, what's the it? What's the it that Jesus is speaking about there? This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. The it is not the resurrection can I just tell you something? Because this is going to pop some bubbles. It's the sickness. It's the illness. This illness does not lead to death. It is the sickness that Jesus is 
referring to. And here's the thing that I just want to reflect on. And I want to challenge us with this. Jesus Christ is saying, I am in control of this circumstance. In fact, I am in control of every circumstance of life. Amen? That is what he is saying. The very fact that Lazarus is sick at this point is under my plan so that through his sickness and what will follow the glory of the resurrection power of, of the Son of God might be seen. That is something that we just need to get a hold of. That's what this song that we just sang is reflecting to. The resurrection power of Christ. Jesus is saying that his intention was that Lazarus' sickness would be terminal and that in that moment that he would demonstrate his almighty power, that he really is the resurrection and the life, that he has the power over death, and that he is, in fact, the almighty creator, son of God. Folks, those are all things that we believe up here, but we don't buy off on it when it's happening. Those are things that we need to understand about God. So why do we need a demonstration of that kind of glory? Why do we need it? When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me will never die. Why do we need this demonstration right here, right now in, in the text? Here's the thing that I, that I just want us to understand. We, we, uh, we need God to put us in situations where we have no more strength, no more wisdom, no more power, where we have nothing left but His power. That's where God takes us. That's where God wants to move us, where we are no, no longer dependent on self, where we are no longer self-sufficient. When we are at the end, that's, when, that's what God wants to do. God took Mary and Martha and all of their friends to this point where the, the situation, there is no more strength, no more wisdom, no more power, where they have nothing left but to look to Christ. That's where God wants us. And again, we have to ask the question, why? Why would God take us to that place? And here's the answer. Because you and I are skilled at being forgetful. We're skilled at being forgetful. We're, we, we're, we're so skilled at, at forgetting the glory of God. We're so skilled at forgetting that Emmanuel has come. We forget that he has made uh, us the place where he dwells. We're so skillful at forgetting that, we, uh, that, that we're never, ever alone because of God's grace. And that grace has connected us to his resurrection power. We're forgetful. We are so forgetful. So in this way, Jesus tells his disciples, it's not a mean thing to say. It is a glorious thing to say. This is not mean. Jesus is not being mean here. That would mean he's not God. If he's mean, he's not God. This is not a mean thing that he said. It is a glorious thing to say, I am glad that I wasn't there because I am going to take you beyond your wisdom and beyond your strength and beyond your ability to figure out, uh, to figure out because I want you to rely on this one thing and that is my resurrection power which is in you.
well, there's some good theology that's going on here. When Martha met Jesus, and she's, uh, she says that uh, uh, what all of us would say, Oh, Lord, if, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Why did, how did she know that? Because she had seen the work of Christ. She had seen his miracles. She knew what Christ was able to do. She had seen people uh, raised from the dead. She had seen people healed from diseases, from terminal diseases. She had seen it all. And so when she says, she, she had experienced all this, and Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And so from there, then she just says, she says, I know. I know that he will rise in, in, the, uh, in the resurrection at the last day. I'm just going to tell you, that's an amazing theological confession. It's a beautiful confession. How many of you believe that at the end of your life that you will raise to life everlasting? How many of you believe that? Martha, Mary knew that. Martha knew that. Martha knew that. She knew without a shadow of a doubt that, that Lazarus would be in heaven, that he was in heaven with God. She knew that. So she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And, and th that is great, good theology. And Jesus replies by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? You guys just all attest it. I believe this. Okay, I believe this. We have lost loved ones that we know are with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We all know. We understand this. But here's what Jesus is asking when he says, do you believe this? Do you believe that, I am, that, that you have met the giver of life? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I have come uh, to live inside of you and that my resurrection power lives inside of you and you will live now and you will live forever because I am the resurrection and the life? Folks, one of the things I just want to say about Christianity, it is supernatural. It's beyond us. Folks, you and I cannot be a Christian without Jesus Christ. You and I cannot live this life without Christ in us. It is impossible to do. You and I cannot be the husbands or the wives or the children that God wants us to be without Christ in us. It's impossible. You can try to be good. You can try to be better, but it is not enough. What Jesus is saying is that there is something that I give you that is beyond yourself. It is my resurrection power. And sometimes we just think that it's just something that happens to us when we die. Folks, Christ's resurrection power lives in you and me right here, right now, between the already and the not yet. That's what we need to come to grips with. That's what we need to grasp. That's what we need to understand. That's what we need to embrace. Because it is no longer you that lives or I that lives. God is not looking for a good theological confession about the resurrection from us. That's not what he's looking for. He's not looking for a historical recognition of the resu resurrection from us. And he's not, he doesn't want, he wants, actually, he wants more than a yearly celebration of the resurrection from us. 
What's coming up next? We've just had Christmas. Now we're moving to Easter. What do we celebrate? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not a one-time event in history. It's a daily event in your history and mine. It is daily. It is moment by moment. It is minute by minute. That is what Jesus wants us to understand. As necessary as a good theological confession, as a historical recognition, and a yearly celebration of the resurrection of Christ, as good and necessary as they are, what we need to understand is that they are all a means to this one end, that we would understand that we live with resurrection power in us today, right now. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 reminds us of this. He says, when, when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I uh, that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Folks, that's where we live. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So how does this flesh out? Folks, how does this flesh out in our lives? How, what's the practical side of this? And I, I, I'll, I'll try to be as personal and polite as possible. It's not just you against the parental or marital or work-related situations or the difficult temptations that you and I face. It's not just you against those all by yourself. It's not. Because you no longer live in your own power alone, but in the resurrection, resurrected power of Christ who now lives in you. And his resurrection power is always, always, always available to you and to me. That's what we need to understand. That's what we need to grasp. Not only, not only is his resurrection power available today and the next. Here's the thing that's really amazing for me and for you as we think about this. As we march toward our final resurrection, the effects of sin in us and all around us will be defeated. Do you believe that? Jesus Christ is in the process of defeating sin in you and all around you. What is the greatest curse of sin? It's death. The ultimate, the ultimate victory is that Jesus Christ has victory over death. Your death, my death, death in, in general and in specific, he has the victory. The resurrected Christ will not be defeated. And again, Jesus asks us the question, the question, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that those who believe in him will, will live both now and, in, and eternally in power, in the power of his resurrection? Do we believe that? That is something for us to think about. Is do we believe that Jesus is res that he is the resurrection and the life and those who believe in him 
will live both now and eternally in the power of that resurrection. Do we believe that? Does the resurrection of Christ energize the way that you get up in the morning to face your day as you say to yourself, it is Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I that live, it is Christ who lives in me. Do you face difficulties? Do you face hardships? Do you face sufferings? Do you face loss? Do you face worry? Do you face anxious, uh, anxiousness? Understanding that you and I don't have to, that you and I don't have what it takes to make it, but you and I do have this one thing. We have the resurrected power of Christ who lives in us. Folks, that's where we live. That is the resurrected power that this song is reflecting about. And so when, uh, I just wanted to say this, Jesus loves you so much that he will put you in situations where you have nothing left so that your eyes, that my eyes will be opened again and again to the glory of his resurrection power that lives in you and I. That's where he wants us to be today. That's where he wants us to live. The end of that song says, what a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. Folks, that's what Christ wants from you and I today. That's what Jesus is looking for from you and I today. It's not that you and I would somehow seek to do this on our own, that we would somehow think that we can make it on our own. It's that you and I would know and understand that we would believe, that we would begin to believe as though as, as we are followers of Christ, as we are believers in what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, that we would know this one thing, that it is Jesus Christ who lives in us. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I just want to challenge you with that today. I just want to encourage you with that today, that you would understand how deep that resurrection and the power of that resurrection really go. How it really fits in your life and mine, how it is your life. And it allows you to become the men and the women, the young people, the children that God wants you to be. So again, as we, as we, conclu as we conclude this series, I just want you to understand that you have Christ in you. And if you're here today and you don't have Christ in you, can I just encourage you with this? That before you leave here today, I just invite you to open up your heart and your mind to Jesus Christ and his resurrection power that he desires to give you, that he desires to, he, God desires to insert himself into your life and mine. He, des he, he desires to be in you because that's the way he made us to be. And out of that, then, there's this opportunity to live in a way that is supernatural, in a way that is beyond anything that, that this world can understand. Folks, people should look at you and go, there's something different about you. And you can say, it's not me, it's Christ in me. That's what God wants. That's what God desires. And so as we, as a, even as a church, as we mo move towards a new year, as we continue our uh, uh, are, are working through the catechism questions that we're asking, we are being challenged 
in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, in our understanding of who God is and what he desires from you and me. That's what we're looking at. And we just invite you to be a part of that. Let me pray. God, we come before you today. We come and thank you today for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that lives in us. Lord, we thank you for what that means. We thank you that, Lord, that this life is crazy and is chaotic and as broken as it is, Father, uh, for you is, is a, a place for your love to, to, to be bathed on us, Lord, which you lavished upon us that you gave us, Father, um, so that we might understand, Lord, that as your sons and daughters, Lord, that we have Christ that lives in us. Lord, we want to say thank you. We love you. Uh, God, we are so grateful for what you've done for us, Lord, for what you've given to us, for what you've made us to be. And Lord, we look forward to the day when that, that work that you have begun in us will be complete in the day of Christ Jesus. So God, uh, we, we thank you for this, this year, this particular season that we've focused in on, Lord, just the immensity of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we give all of this to you in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. Stand with me as we sing.